Welcome back to New Rockstars. The Batman is finally giving us a Riddler who actually uses ciphers the way real life serial killers do. Unlike every other Riddler who looks like he's conspiring with like the Hamburglar to murder Mayor McCheese. This is the big question. The podcast that gives you too much information about how everything cool about the Batman has been lifted directly from actual terrifying mass murderers of the real world. You may have cheered when you heard, I'm vengeance. But uh, us true crimers were like, uh, Matt Reeves, you fool, they never caught Zodiac. Uh, I'm Eric Voss. Here with me to do some ciphering is our very own hurdy-gurdy man, off-screen producer, Zach Huddleston. Hello, Eric. I'm, I'm wearing a hat for this episode because my hair is a little bit more Ted oh Kaczynski God. than I'd like to admit, okay? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we could all take a note from Ted Kaczynski, live out in isolation up in the woods in Montana, because right now our Batman are getting too exposed to human-to-human -to -human, uh, transmitted diseases. <laughs> okay, that, but that's the only note we're taking from Ted Kaczynski, right? Yes, <laughs> everything else. Oh, if we also want to take a professor job at Berkeley, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just everything else <laughs> that we should probably avoid well uh what is our big question this week uh, well eric everybody wants to know what real life serial killers is the batman movie basing this version of the riddler on uh okay so i think when we all saw this trailer we're all like this looks like zodiac and and maybe it's just those of us who like care about real life serial killers what bro what are you talking about man Zach, I don't know about you, but in between The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises, I remember there was like a brief fan push for the third movie to bring back the Riddler and follow in the footsteps of Heath Ledger's Joker and make the Riddler like a super dark one inspired by the Unabomber. Of course, Nolan went in, in a different direction for Rises. But now it looks like Matt Reeves is doing exactly what we wanted. Yeah, the the dark, gritty, uh, Jim Carrey-inspired reboot we've we've <laughs> been calling for since Batman Forever. You betcha! <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what we want. Wanted. That's what we wanted. I guess the real question is, do we really want this kind of Riddler? Because we're going to break down everything we know about Paul Dano's version of this character and how each component of his character is actually lifted directly from some terrifying detail from the deadliest and creepiest serial killers in modern American history. Zach and I are going to do New Rockstar's version of uh, Last Podcast on the Left or My Favorite Murder or one of those great terrifying stomach-turning podcasts. Last Riddle on the Left? Can we claim that territory? <laughs> My Favorite Multiverse? <laughs> uh, yeah, we've already ruined both of those. Everyone who's like a subscriber to one of those is like, pass. All right, well, let's let's start with the biggest influence on this Riddler definitely appears to be the Zodiac Killer. Zach and I both live in California and have for the past decade, and if you're a Californian, you are well aware of Zodiac. He should be on our state flag. Maybe he is. Maybe that bear on the California state flag was Zodiac because they never caught him. All right, so who was uh, Zodiac? Zodiac was and maybe is a serial killer in California credited for at least five people murdered from the period of the late 60s to the early 70s, but maybe more. Zodiac mailed these cryptic letters to newspapers and police it's all signed with the code name of Zodiac or Z, sometimes just with the symbol that you've seen. It is the uh, target looking thing that showed up creepily in the background of that uh, Morbius trailer. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Now, one of the later letters that was sent to media claimed to have taken 37 lives. As the years went on, Zodiac letters kept saying like uh, Zodiac 37 
SFPD zero, but those letters, unlike the early ones, were not directly proven to be Zodiac ones. Some people believe they may have been copycats or just other people screwing with the cops. Now, Zodiac's story was dramatized in the amazing David Fincher film Zodiac, starring, well, the Avengers, basically, <laughs> Iron Man, Hulk, and Mysterio are all yes. in that movie. Not to mention uh, Anthony Edwards. Doctor, oh, yeah. uh, whatever for me are, yeah, <laughs> in yeah. goose, yeah, they got everyone in this. Either Dermot Mulroney or Dylan McDermott is in it. Yeah. One of the two. Two, you wrote Durable <laughs> McDillons. Have we ever seen both those guys in the same room? I don't know <laughs> no. that they're not the same person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's just so many cinematic parallels between um, this Batman trailer and Zodiac that if you were to watch Zodiac right now, you'd be like, oh yeah, Matt Reeves must have watched this movie to to inspire what he's doing in, in the Batman. Just to give you a brief summary of uh, the Zodiac's timeline, the movie Zodiac opens with the Vallejo attacks, uh, attack of Mike Majot in the murder of Darlene Farron that took place on July 4th, 1969. Zodiac, like other crimes, he called that one in. And he also claimed in that call to murder David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen in December of 1968. And later on in the investigation, he was also linked to the murder of Sherry Jo Bates in Riverside, California, based off of some uh, handwriting samples that were linked. But, but that wasn't necessarily confirmed. But really, the famous Zodiac panic began when, uh, weeks after the Vallejo attack, Zodiac mailed letters to three newspapers in the Bay Area, the San Francisco Chronicle, San Francisco Examiner, and the Vallejo Times-Herald, and he demanded to all those editors that they print three parts of a cipher that he said would reveal his identity and this was called the z408 cipher it was shortly thereafter solved by a teacher in north salinas donald hardin and his wife betty and it translated to the following uh, and i'm not gonna try to um you know make the zodiac sound too sexy here because that would be inappropriate also he might take offense to it because i assume ted cruz is watching this Or Ted Cruz's dad. We don't know. Or Ted Cruz's yeah. dad. Uh, maybe both. Um, this is what it translated to. I like killing people because it is so much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all. To kill something gives me the most thrilling experience. It's even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. The best part of it is that when I die, I will be reborn in paradise and all the people I have killed will become my slaves. I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down or stop my collecting of slaves from my afterlife. Charmer. I also love he's like, I won't I won't give you my name, but I will give you this elaborate riddle that kind of hints at my background. Right. Like that's right. going to be a recurring theme that we're going to explore with these killers. Like guys that like want to taunt while not totally wanting to be caught. And everything in there you could interpret as a clue. It's part of the reason Zodiac, despite not being, you know, the highest body count mass murderer in U.S. history, is one of the most famous just because of all these loose ends and these clues. Like, you'll see this in the Zodiac movie, the whole idea of man is the most dangerous animal of all was interpreted as a reference to the short story and film The Most Dangerous Game, which is about a manhunter. So that's when the panic began, the, his manipulation of the media. And then uh, shortly after that, in September 1969, Zodiac struck again. He stabbed picnickers Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard at Lake Berenessa in Napa. Hartnell survived, just like Mike Majot survived. And then a few weeks later in October, right down the street from where my girlfriend used to live, he uh, shot and killed cab driver Paul Stein. And um, he teared off pieces of Paul Stein's shirt 
and he would later mail scraps of this to a newspaper. And Stein was Zodiac's last confirmed murder, but there were several others that he took credit for, that some believe he just read other unrelated incidents in the newspaper and took credit for the killing, but other people think that he may have been involved with others, but this is the last confirmed one. And then then just moving right along, in November 1969, he mailed a scrap of the shirt into the Chronicle and had a new cipher that has been called the Z340 cipher. And during this time, Zodiac also chatted with attorney Melvin Belli live on a TV call-in show, but that was later suspected to be a hoax call by a different mental patient. But it was super cre- creepy. A lot of people heard that and watched that live and were like, oh my God, this voice is one of the creepier parts of the movie. This is the Zodiac speaking. And then uh, the panic spread when uh, Zodiac or someone claiming to be Zodiac threatened to kill kids on school buses and bomb places. Everyone freaked out. People were afraid to send their kids to school. It later resulted in the film Dirty Harry in which the cops were like, what if we didn't care about civil liberties and just shot first? And then Clint Eastwood had a career thereafter. Yeah. Well, do you, punk? Just carry a gigantic gun and all the bad guys will be too scared to commit crimes. Yes. Yep. Yep, yep. And then years after, the letters continued with all kinds of threats and and other ciphers. But the last confirmed cipher that went unsolved for a while was this Z340. Many claimed to have decoded it. In 2012, hobbyist Corey Starliper derived the following using a cipher of his own that was based on area codes that people thought were linked to it. But it's pretty compelling. And I'll just read kind of what it is here. Kill self, doctor, help me, kill myself, gas chamber, A-E-I-O-U-R, days, questions, able, every waking moment, I'm alive, my pride lost, I can't go on living this way, killing people, I have killed so many people, can't help myself, I'm so angry I could do my thing, I'm alone in this world, my whole life full of lies, I'm unable to stop, by the time you solve this, I will have killed 11 people, please help me stop killing people, please, my name is Lee Allen. Okay, so Arthur Lee Allen is the primary suspect hinted by the Zodiac film to be the true identity of Zodiac. He's played by the wonderful John Carroll Lynch. Lots of circumstantial evidence lined up with with Allen. He had told a friend that he wanted to kill people under the name Zodiac. His travel schedule matched. He did wear a Zodiac brand watch. He matched the physical description. He had bloody knives in his trunk. He had the same kind of guns and same kind of black gloves as the ones that were described. And he was a convicted child molester who did time in prison around the time Zodiac kind of stopped doing stuff. But circumstantial evidence does not hold up in court. You need something that directly links someone to the crime. And uh, when they tried to do this with Arthur Lee Allen, it didn't really work. Uh, They did handwriting analysis that was inconclusive. There was DNA reports that was also inconclusive. So it has led many to believe that he wasn't the guy. But depending on who you talk to, which experts you talk to, some people say handwriting analysis is not a good way, that it's not really a a real science. And some people say that if they were able to do further DNA testing, they would prove Arthur Lee Allen to be the guy. I don't know. What do you think, Zach? I I don't know. Certainly the film Zodiac presents a pretty strong case that it's Arthur Lee Allen, but that's a film. And, And part of the reason this case has fascinated people for so long is it is so opaque and there's so many options and like weird dangling threads. I think, you know, this case reminds me a lot, both because it's set in like similar parts of California of the Golden State Killer as recently depicted in the HBO miniseries, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, that took decades and decades to solve that case and only kind of through like 
online family tree DNA <laughs> registry where they eventually able to kind of get that guy. It also yeah. makes me think, I mean, sadly, the Zodiac's probably dead by this point, just of old age, Yeah, right? Right, right, right. If somebody didn't like have like a deathbed confession, we might never get one. I don't know. But our question is, how does this Zodiac inspire the Riddler that we see? Well, uh, there are definitely similarities. In October 1970, Chronicle reporter Paul Avery, played by Iron Man Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. in the film, he received a Halloween card at the Chronicle office, the cover of which had a skeleton with the creepy phrase, peekaboo, you are doomed. And inside was a scrap of, of uh, Paul Stein's shirt, his bloody shirt. And, and of, co of course, in the Batman trailer, the Riddler's greeting card has almost exact same type of Halloween skeleton, the similar message in a, and has a cipher attached to it. And, and we don't know what else might be in that envelope that we didn't see in the trailer. That's right. There could be a, like a weird, uh, you know, fingernail that's been torn off a dead body or something creepy. <laughs> Absolutely. And then of course the ciphers are the big thing. The fact that the Riddler in this movie uses these weird symbols and that they translate to something is very Zodiac-esque. And in fact, the glyphs in the trailer translate to He Lies Still, which, you know, amateur cryptographers were able to quickly solve. And it's it's not... If you couldn't get this, it doesn't mean you're dumb. You just don't have a lot of experience doing this stuff. People who have done kind of cryptography before had like cryptography merit badge. And boy, so this is a real simple one that we could crack in like a half hour. Um, and it's really because it ends in that double L. That is classic stuff that you look for. And it's exactly what they did to decipher that, that Zodiac, that first cipher. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal plays the cartoonist Robert Graysmith. And he talked about how those teachers were able to solve that one. What's the most common double consonant in the English language? The double L. Double L. And what's the one word that we know that he'll use in here? Kill. Double L is exactly how we got the word still, and he lies still. If assuming that is what it translates to, and Matt Reeves did that, like that, that must have been pulled directly from the Zodiac mystery. There's also the detail of like in the trailer here, Dano's creepy booming voice. If you are justice, please do not lie. Clearly, he does want to be heard, which does echo the call-in show where the caller let out randomly this terrifying scream. Do you want me to talk to the district attorney? <laughs> which which kind of, even if that caller wasn't Zodiac, it does, you know, remind you of that moment. And then finally, Zach, there is uh, Zodiac's appearance. So the most famous image of Zodiac was the sketching done from Brian Hartnell's description after the lake stabbing. It's the black hood over the head, the symbol on the chest, and then pinched glasses that he wore over the hood's eye holes, which is just like what Paul Dano's Riddler does. He wears glasses over the eye holes in his military cold weather mask. It's such like a great, creepy, stormtrooper-y, executioner vibe to it. I mean, they, they've nailed, from what we've seen so far in the trailer, they nailed the creepy ethos of like a scary Riddler, right? Any of this mean anything to you? Now, the big difference between this Riddler and Zodiac, I would say, are the targets. So Zodiac killed seemingly at random. Uh, we aren't really sure who all of his victims were, but Riddler is clearly targeting political figures. The mayor is the, the body at the beginning. It looks like he's killing the DA as well. He has some kind of political agenda, no more lies, government conspiracy that he's trying to expose, which brings us to the other really famous serial killer who we think is influencing here, Unabomber. So the Unabomber, who also has some California legs to his trail, uh, something about California in 1969 between these two dudes and uh, Golden State Killer and the Manson family. It was a scary time to be alive. <laughs> 
I think I think it was more like the eighties, but wasn't the Night Stalker uh, Richard Ramirez? Oh he yeah, was, Richard uh, Ramirez, L.A. Uh, Grim Sleeper. Again, I think that's later in California, but we've yeah. um, we're fertile territory here in the Golden State for for creepy <laughs> something killing. Of, something in the water. Something in the non-existent water. So Unabomber. Unabomber was Ted Kaczynski, Theodore John Kaczynski. Uh, from 1973 to 1993, he killed three people, but he tried to kill way more. He injured 23 others by mailing 16 bombs to places all over the United States. And the FBI used the case ID Unabom, which stood for University and Airline Bomber. Those were most of his targets. So a bit of background on Kaczynski. He was a very, very intelligent mathematics professor at Berkeley. There was that joke in Goodwill Hunting where he talked about a guy and he was worried that Matt Damon is going to become the next Unabomber. Then he went on to Berkeley, was assistant professor, showed amazing potential. Then he moved to Montana and he blew the competition away. But he was teaching at Berkeley and then was liked by his students, suddenly out of nowhere resigned in 1969. And then he moved back with his parents to Chicago. And then after a couple years later, moved to this remote cabin that he built in uh, rural Montana. And while he was there, he got really pissed off at nearby landscaping and logging. And there he began his life of domestic terrorism. He tried to sabotage the companies and realized that wasn't enough. So he started building bombs. That's it. Nice and hot. <laughs> yeah, boy. 1978, he tried to bomb Northwestern professor Buckley Christ, who uh, called in the suspicious package. And then poor campus police officer Terry Marker opened it. Luckily, it did not kill him, but it did injure his hand. And in 1979, he tried to bomb American Airline Flight 444, but a faulty timing mechanism caused it to smoke. So it did not explode, thank God. It would have brought down the plane, though. That's when the FBI got involved, because when you try to bomb an airplane, that is a federal crime. So really, what's what a lot of people find interesting about this, within each bomb, Kaczynski tried to throw off authorities with all these fake clues. Like, he would uh, include the, these metal plates that was stamped with the letters FC uh, that maybe he was trying to make them think, like, oh, that was the name of the, the bomber. There was a note left in one bomb that didn't detonate, and the note said, Woo! It works! I told you it would! RV. Which is just nonsense. He would use on all of his mailed bombs uh, these $1 Eugene O'Neill stamps that people were thinking, oh, this would be a pattern. One bomb was embedded in a copy of the novel Ice Brothers, but uh, the FBI did deduce that there was a theme of nature in all these, because he was like a nature man, and there were bits of tree branches and bark in most of his bombs. He did bomb grad student John Hauser at Berkeley, and then he killed his first victim, a computer store owner, Hugh Scrutton in Sacramento. And over the years, he injured several others with his bombs. And just because these people didn't die doesn't mean you know, their bodies were horribly injured and their lives were affected permanently. Like, he didn't have that high of a body count, but, like, he did ruin a lot of lives. And then he killed ad exec Thomas J. Moser in New Jersey, apparently because that ad firm had helped Exxon clean up its image after Exxon Valdez. And then he uh, murdered uh, timber lobbyist Gilbert Brent Murray. So in 1995, Kaczynski wrote to the press that he would stop committing his acts of terror if they published his famous Unabomber Manifesto, which is a 35,000 word essay. Uh, it was titled Industrial Society and Its Future. It was really just kind of this rant that uh, technology was destroying society. A theme that may not be wrong, but it was wrong to bomb people to get attention to the subject. If only the internet was as widely <laughs> used back then, 
He could have gotten it out on social media or just started a YouTube channel for this stuff. Yeah, and his uh, his 97 subscribers would appreciate his daily uh, three-hour videos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and actually, when he mailed his manifesto, Janet Reno, the FBI, the Justice Department, encouraged the Washington Post to publish it because this is how they caught him. Uh, Kaczynski's brother recognized his writings and was like, oh, damn it, that's my crazy brother. And he, mm. uh, he tipped off the FBI and they arrested him and they caught him. <laughs> so how does the Unabomber inspire the Riddler? Well, obviously the use of bombs. The Riddler does strap a neck bomb to Gil Coulson, Peter Sarsgaard, the district attorney. But uh, we should point out that the use of a neck bomb in particular, Unabomber mailed his bombs and would trick people into opening the package. The neck bomb seems a bit similar to a separate incident, the killing of Brian Wells in Erie, Pennsylvania in 2003. That was a scheme orchestrated, it seemed like, by uh, Marjorie Dale Armstrong and Kenneth Barnes. It was depicted in that Netflix documentary series, Evil Genius. Did you see that? Oh, so good. Uh, other similarities, both Riddler and Unabomber are driven, it seems like, by political agendas, and both use ciphers. Kaczynski did keep a coded journal uh, that he didn't send out to people. It's just his own journal that he ciphered in case he was ever caught. With, and he had a numerical cipher because he's like a mathematics genius. Um, but unfortunately, he also kept the encryption key with the journals. So they were able to decode it and, and, and see it. At that point, they already had plenty of evidence. But the fact that he, uh, he ciphered them like that is Riddler-esque. There's also the Dano Riddler appearance. So he wears his military surplus coat, a military cold weather mask. It is the kind of survivalist gear that you might see the Unabomber wearing. He was more famously depicted in the uh, the police sketch of the hoodie, but like they, they, there is some kind of like similarity in where they shop, I would say. Now there are some other influences from history. You could argue characters like uh, Jack the Ripper, maybe H.H. Holmes, who do inspire many fictional serial killers uh, that you've seen over the years. Jack the Ripper actually was a Batman villain. So in the way that Jack the Ripper forced Batman to solve the clue to exonerate himself might be something that uh, the Riddler appears to be doing by implicating Batman in whatever the conspiracy is that he's trying to expose. But one big thing about this Riddler, Zach, is his use of duct tape. That seems to be very important to his character. And in a recent episode of Rogue Theory, our friend uh, Shukri Abdi went into a very interesting theory that maybe the Riddler's parents were suffocated with duct tape. And now that's how he like gets back at everyone by suffocating them with duct tape and strapping them down with duct tape. It is such a specific choice to do the entire face duct taped, right? We've seen maybe yeah. in, in other movies where like plastic bag and then duct tape to seal, right? But then you can yes. still see the face. But like, it's so specific to take the time. That's so much tape to make sure it's yes. airtight. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, do you also think though, it also might possibly be a way to avoid a, an R rating because like mm. by making it opaque, you can't see a dead face. They might be a little heavier for sensors. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but yeah. Yeah, that's definitely possible. But the duct tape is definitely key to it. Like a lot of murder, if you try to just look up duct tape serial killer, uh, a lot of people have murdered using duct tape to bind their victims. That's what you get at the hardware store. Right? You buy a shovel, you buy a bunch of plastic sheets, and you buy some duct tape, right? That That's how you know you're about to go kill somebody. Duct tape can be used for anything, uh, but probably <laughs> murder. There was someone who was named the duct tape killer. It was a murderer in South Dakota named Robert Leroy Anderson who murdered two people. It's just really a book that tried to find a name for him and called him the duct tape killer just because one of the uh, women he killed was suffocated with duct tape. 
And the other one, they never found her body, but they found pieces of her hair and her clothing next to a strand of duct tape that was dangling from a tree. He uh, could be, a, I, I doubt, he's pretty obscure. I don't, I don't know if he would be like the duct tape killer. But it, the reason I point this out is this is like the new part of his MO that is unique to this killer is the fact that he uses duct tape so uh keep an eye on that for any future things you see about this any future trailers we're gonna pay very close attention to the duct tape and why this riddler uses it whether it's something psychologically important to him uh or if it's just practical in some other way also you cannot discount that sound right yeah of pulling Oof. the the duct tape open is like one of the creepiest. As soon as you hear that, oh man. The fact that the trailer opened with that, like you see the studio logos were edited to move along with the sound of the duct tape, I think is very important and not enough people are talking about. So I think that's where we're gonna see a lot about this guy. So uh, in summary, Paul Dano as Edward Ashton the Riddler, I would say is probably at least 50% Zodiac, if not more. He is mostly inspired by Zodiac. And I think the fact that if you were to say which murderers in American history are most like the Riddler, Zodiac and Unabomber are the two that, uh, in terms of the leaving clues, the mailing things, and uh, the really messed up political agendas that are involved. That that seems to be. So it's mostly Zodiac, mostly Unabomber, maybe a bit of a, a, a dash of Jack the Ripper thrown in there as well. Because Jack the Ripper also mailed stuff into London's police. And a lot of people didn't know if all those were from the same Jack the Ripper. He was also never caught, but he killed mostly sex workers, which this Riddler doesn't seem to be doing. He has higher profile targets. So there you have it. Solved. This fun fictional character used to wear all green and skip around and lock people up in these weird goofy mazes. Now he's pulled directly from the scariest headlines in American history. You're welcome. (laughs) Who would have thought the Batman would be a crossover with Law and Order Special Victims Unit? All right, before we move on, we want to thank some friends who helped us make this episode. Starting with our friends at ExpressVPN. So when you use your bathroom, you always close the door behind you, right? Right? Yes? I hope so, because you don't want some random passerby looking in on you or sneaking in to murder you when staying on theme this episode. So why would you let people look in on you when you go online, which you do all the time if you don't use a VPN? Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like going to the bathroom without closing the door and letting someone come in and cut your throat. And we're not being overdramatic here. Your internet service provider knows every single website you visit. And if you are a murderer, you don't want an ISP knowing that. Whether you're a murderer or a murderee, you need some privacy. And what's worse, worse than getting murdered, worse than dying, your net service provider can sell your information to ad companies and tech giants who will use your data to target you and murder you. <laughs> ExpressVPN puts a stop to this, Zach. It creates secure encrypted tunnels between your device and the internet so that your online activity cannot be seen by anyone. I use ExpressVPN on all my devices. I'm the Zodiac. It works on everything. Phones, laptops, even routers, so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can still be protected even if they don't have ExpressVPN. And the best part is, using an ExpressVPN is as easy as closing the bathroom door. You just fire up the app, click one button, and you're protected. ExpressVPN is the world's number one rated VPN by CNET, Wired, The Verge, and countless others. So if you are like me, and you believe your online activity is your business, and who you murder or who you get murdered by is your own business and no one else's, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com slash bigq today. Use my exclusive link expressvpn.com slash big q and you can get an extra three months for free it's free real estate 
That's expressvpn.com slash big Q. Yes. Thank you to ExpressVPN. Also, thank you to football being back. That's right. Shout out Bill's Mafia. Yeah, somebody sent me this in the mail. I still appreciate it. Football's back in DraftKings. The leader in one-day fantasy sports has millions of reasons why you should be excited. To kick off the football season, DraftKings is giving new users a free shot at a $1 million top prize with a total of $3 million up for grabs for this Thursday's football contest. I gotta do it, man. Getting in on Thursday night's single game showdown is easy. All you have to do is download DraftKings using promo code BIGQUESTION. Draft six players from the season opener, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Head to the app now and start making it rain. And that's not precipitation rain. That's R-E-I-G-N. Like you're a king. You're a draft king. We're not worthy! We're not worthy! Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using code BIGQUESTION will receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game like having a shot at a million dollar payday. So download the DraftKings app now and use code BIGQUESTION. For a limited time, new users can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize and $3 million in total prizes. Don't miss this extra special week one bonus. Enter code BIGQUESTION to get a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. That's code BIGQUESTION, only at DraftKings. Make it rain, R-E-I-G-N. Like that kind of rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, Zach, there's one bite-sized question that I need an answer from you. And it's really the biggest question I think a lot of us have on our minds. It's not just big, it's Yes! But it's kind of hard to build an episode around it, so we put it in the bite size section. Tons of people everywhere are asking, are they going to release Black Widow and future Marvel films on Disney Plus, on streaming online services like the way Disney did with Mulan? So mm. I kind of broke down the numbers because I think they're pretty interesting. Now that we know what some of the pricing and some of the early box office returns are looking like for some of these bigger movies, we know the price and the distribution method for Mulan. And this is kind of one of the first big, big movies. No offense, New Mutants. <laughs> No offense, weird Russell Crowe Road Rage movie. (laughs) (laughs) But like Mulan's the first really big delayed movie that's going to come out. And and Disney has announced how they're going to release it. It's going to be $30 on Disney+. Plus. You have to already be a subscriber of Disney+. And then pay $30 on top of that. You get it on video on demand basically that way. And you can watch it while it's out. And then Mm. further down the road in December, they're going to release it just broadly on Disney plus you don't have to pay extra. You just have to be a subscriber and they're doing this in every country that has Disney plus and in any country that doesn't have Disney plus they're releasing it in theaters. Most importantly Mm -hmm. in China, China, there's no Disney plus in China. And that's going to be a really big market for Mulan. Obviously it's a story set in China and that's just a Mm -hmm. really large theater market. It's the second biggest after the U.S. Uh, And for some movies, it's even bigger. So that's what we know about Mulan. And so what we know about VOD success since quarantine started is largely based on the Avengers Endgame of VOD. And I'm talking about Mm. Trolls World Tour. Okay. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) it, it, It legitimately broke records when it came out. It was the most successful VOD release ever. It made about $100 million off of like five... About 5 million people paid 20 bucks to rent Trolls World Tour. Largely, those were people who had children that were driving them insane if they didn't uh, rent 
<laughs> Trolls World Tour. So that's kind of our benchmark, right? So here's my back of the envelope math. And I'm okay. calling this Trolls Math, okay? Because uh, <laughs> my lord and savior, uh, Justin Timberlake, as a troll doll. And I love you. Zach Huddleston. So again, if the Trolls franchise is at least, probably less popular by half than the MCU, it makes about half what an average MCU made. Okay, trolls could make $100 million pretty easily on VOD. If we double up that for an average MCU movie like Black Widow, at a higher price, right? Because trolls made $100 million, but at $20. So if we both double the number of people willing to rent it and we increase the price from $20 to $30, we can get to $300 million for Black Widow. Probably pretty reasonably. And again, Disney gets to keep all of that money instead of splitting it with a VOD or a theater. And $300 million domestically puts it on pace with Doctor Strange, Ant-Man and the Wasp, kind of your mid-tier recent MCU movies as far as domestic gross. Now let's say Black Widow can also get them 1 million extra Disney Plus subscribers. So like, are there a million people that aren't currently on Disney Plus that would sign up just to watch Black Widow and then maybe stick around for six months or a year? Yeah, maybe. Around the world. Yeah, worldwide. So that gets them, Disney, another $100 million Again, they don't have to split with anybody. So now we're up to $400 million for Black Widow. Okay, still pretty far from our $1 billion magic number for Marvel movies, right? But then let's say they're still doing international box office. It's kind of a hybrid thing where it's a little bit Disney Plus, a little bit of international box office in different markets. People are still gonna wanna see this movie in theaters, maybe even if they have the option of watching it on Disney Plus. So let's say they can even get half of what a normal MCU movie gets at the international box office. So like usually, again, your Thor Ragnaroks, your Spider-Man Homecomings can get 400 to $500 million total from the rest of the world outside of the United States. So let's say you could get half of that. Sure, some countries are gonna have some shutdowns. There'll be social distancing enforced in some theaters. So maybe the, the numbers are a little bit lower. Theaters might have to drop their prices to incentivize people to come back. But if they can get half of what an average Marvel movie gets, that's $200 million. Disney only gets to take home half of that. So that's another 100 million. So then that kind of gets them to about $500 million which is more than kind of your Iron Man 2s or your early kind of phase one, phase two Marvel movies. Is it, is it a huge success? No, not compared to Captain Marvel or Black Panther, but it also keeps Disney from just losing a ton of money. So like you could see some kind of mixed strategy like this happening for Black Widow. I think it could happen depending on their internal calculations. Interesting. Thank you for breaking down all those numbers for us, Zach. We have time for one more uh, Boxes Wraps question, and we're staying on the theme of murder here. The question is, what is the closest you've ever gotten to being murdered? Both you and I kind of lived, worked, spent a lot of time in Hollywood. Not the yes. industry necessarily, but the neighborhood. And uh, <laughs> for uh, people outside of LA or haven't visited LA or something like that, the neighborhood of Hollywood is not where they make movies. It's just kind of a, a mixed, like working class kind of neighborhood, has some sketchy nightlife. Um, I lived there for a lot of my first 10 years in Los Angeles, walked home alone late at night, uh, you know, hung out in uh, some seedier bars. So I was probably getting relatively close to murder on a monthly or weekly <laughs> basis. But the closest I ever got, so I lived in a house in Hollywood, kind of in the middle of like uh, working class Hollywood uh, with two other people. One of my roommates was gone one night and it was myself and this woman who's my third roommate. I didn't know that well, she'd just been there 10 Temporarily, and we were everybody was about to move out of the house 
uh, we'd kind of closed our lease. It was our last month there. We had, everybody had a new place to move to, but you know, it was one of the last weeks. Uh, and so there were for rent signs on the outside of the house. And so I go to bed, not thinking anything of it. I wake up the next morning. My bedroom door is open. Dun, 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 dun. I always closed it, of course. And then I kind of come out and the roommate, she's there and she's like, hey, did you um, forget your keys last night? And I was like, no, no, I was, I was just normal. I was watching TV in my room or something like that. She's like, oh, because I thought I heard somebody breaking in last night. Dun, 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 dun. And so we kind of look around and in the kind of the living room of this home, the window screen had been popped off of the window. There was like a hole torn in it, like somebody like yanked it off, uh, but the window was locked. And then we kind of walked around and looked and like most of the window screens had been torn off the windows. And eventually we looked and in the bathroom, there was one of those like weird windows that's like, I don't know, it's it's only like this tall, kind of a long one that's kind of like high up above the shower. I leave those open all the time. You gotta get, you know, you take those big nasty shits, something's gotta <laughs> Or a big nasty shower, whatever you're doing in the a big nasty <laughs> toothbrush and whatever. So um that that window had been closed, but it had been unlocked. The screen was popped off, and in the bat in the bathtub directly underneath that window were muddy footprints. <laughs> Oh, and by the way, we also discovered that the front door was unlocked, which again, I had locked it before I went to bed. We didn't leave our front door unlocked. And so I pieced together, this is exactly what happened, okay? Somebody saw the for rent sign. I don't know if it was a a drug addict, a homeless person, a vagrant, just a 'er ne'er-do-well, whatever, and and assumed (laughs) that the home was vacant. And maybe they're looking for a warm place to sleep at night. This had to have been very late. I, you know, it was after I went to bed. They try to get in, try to get in. Finally, they find a window. They crawl in through the bathtub. And luckily, I think they came to my bedroom first. They opened up a door, saw a dude sleeping in a bed, and were like, oh, crap. This place is not vacant. And so then they just walked out the front door. They didn't steal anything. They didn't hurt anybody. But, like, they definitely broke in and then looked around and then left. And I was just like, maybe the real answer to this question is, I don't know how close to murder I was, but I really felt scared for my female roommate. I was like, oh, thank God that person walked into my bedroom first, assuming they were a male and could have been up to no good, right? Like, I'm I'm glad they might have saw my giant lunky body uh, on a bed and and. And left not wanting any of it. So I don't know. That that's my like unaware closest to to murder moment. I think. And Zach, we know when you sleep, you're you're doing arm curls in your that's sleep. Right. So that's right. I'm also I sleep covered in knives. You know, I just have j- j- blades laying all over me. So it gives off a very uh, scary yeah. energy. And unfortunately, your other roommate Brandon Barrick was murdered. But uh, <laughs> you know. Rest in peace. <laughs> What's the closest you've ever been to getting murdered, Eric? Well, when I was researching Zodiac, uh, a lot of the the early attacks were couples who were on dates, who were just like on these remote dates. They were picnicking, whatever it was. And I remembered how my girlfriend and I, on one of our first dates, we went and got dinner um, in downtown Santa Monica. And then after the date, um, the, on Santa Monica Beach, they have these 
little sidewalks that lead out to these benches that are like on these concrete platforms that just face the beach. So, you know, every 100 yards or so on the beach, there's one of these. And it's just like a place you can walk to without having to get your feet all sandy and just sit on the bench and you get to watch the waves. And uh, she knew about the spot. And I was like, ooh, okay. Uh, we go there and, you know, the we were sitting out there and we were just kind of like stargazing and it was nice and romantic. And out in Santa Monica, there's people like walking around. There's people walking down the beach, couples walking down the beach, but it kind of feels like a lover's lane kind of thing. We were looking out at boat lights on the water. We were trying to guess how far away the boat was because there's usually boats that are out there. And you know, I, not to get too personal, but we, we like turned in and we had a moment. He blew into my mouth. And uh, it lasted a couple minutes, but you know, your your eyes are closed. <laughs> Hopefully your eyes are closed when you're kissing someone. Uh, oh, yeah. But it was, it was very nice. And then, you know, a couple minutes later, several minutes later, uh, we kind of pull apart and we're just enjoying the moment. And we look right out. Uh, and you know, behind us are like street lights. There's like a parking lot. So our eyes had adjusted from that light because we were turned into each other. So now our eyes are adjusting to the darkness and we see a new light out on the water, it's this orange light that is uh, gr glowing bright and then going dark, and then glowing bright and going dark. And then we realize, as our eyes are adjusting, at the same time we realize, wait a minute, that's not a boat. That's a guy smoking a cigarette. There was a dude who was halfway between us on the beach, between us and the water, smoking a cigarette, staring at us just waiting for whatever. I don't know if he was enjoying the show, but he was like 20 yards away from us. And at the same time, we both kind of whispered to each other, there's a man staring at us. Let's leave. <laughs> and we both stood up and quickly walked back to our car. Who knows if we would have been murdered, but Zach, they never caught Zodiac. So it could have been him. <laughs> wow. Um, That's so it's creepy. the most frightened I've been. Now, I will say there are other moments I've been closer probably to getting murdered, but it's a time when Philip and I and some other friends were out on a trip, and I want to save that story because it's really, <laughs> Philip, it's it's more his story than my story. I want him to tell it when he inevitably comes back and makes his grand return to do Rockstars being on camera. He didn't leave. He still works for do Rockstars. He's just working on personal projects. But when he comes back, we will make him tell the story of how we were really actually almost murdered. A, I want to apologize to you. Eric, back when I used to smoke, I did a lot of really creepy things. Uh, so I, I apologize for staring at you and not saying hello. Um, I knew it was you. And and then, yes, I too can't wait for Philip and you to tell that story because I feel like anytime Philip is involved with a story, it's about 40% darker than I anticipate it being. So that guy has, he's being chased by demons. Like he, <laughs> he has seen some terrifying shit. So if you really want to get scared, let Philip talk to you about his life a little bit. Okay, yeah, and that is our show. It was so great to talk murder with you, Zach. It was my favorite multiverse with Eric and Zach, and uh, what a time we had. A reminder that you can join our official Discord server by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash newrockstars, and there you can ask us the big questions that we're most likely to see it there with, with our patrons on Discord. You can also get an audio version of the show by subscribing to New Rockstars Big Question wherever you get your podcasts, and you can send us your big questions on Twitter as well by using the hashtag Big question follow me on instagram at ea boss follow zach at z huddleston on social media and follow new rock stars on social subscribe here on youtube to get too much information on all the stuff you care about thanks for watching thanks zach see you next time free 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 free, free. <gasps> ah, no!